You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. People often talk about what their visibility goals are or how they want to get more visible, especially at the beginning of a year or within the first quarter. But oftentimes we don't discuss what we don't want our visibility to be, what doesn't feel aligned for how we show up. And that's important too. It may inform what we do want. It may ask very different questions of us and lead us to different goals, different results and also different understandings of our identity, of where we want to be included or not, and how we want to be witnessed by others. You're listening to Flaunt Your Fire, the brand visibility podcast where we own our values as we amplify our influence. I'm your host, India Jackson, and today I'm recording on the stolen land of my brother's ancestors, the Piscataway people. This land is known to many as Maryland and its surrounding area. And I'm excited today to be joined by the co-founder of Pause on the Play and DEI consultant and best friend, Erica Corday. And we're digging into visibility. So without even like dragging this out, let's just get it started. Hey, Erica. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Um, I know that often you and I discuss what we want your visibility to be. But you mentioned something to me in conversation. And it's come up a few times, actually, not just recently. Um, And I think it's worthwhile to dig into today here on the podcast. So one of the things that we often talk about um, is like what your visibility strategy is going to be for the new year. Where are we prioritizing you showing up, whether it's social media channels, if those are your own or others, you know, what kind of events are you going to speak at, things like that. And also, you are a whole human. (laughs) (laughs) I am. And not just a representative of the businesses that you own. And so, you know, I think that there's an opportunity to discuss, you know, what underlying things might be playing into some identity pieces, you know. So what's coming up for you when you think about visibility right now? I am so excited to talk about this with you because very often uh, I do get clear on what I want by being able to check off the list what I don't want. And honestly, with a lot of the things that I have come across with you personally and professionally, I've 
really tried to do better at focusing on what it is that I do want. And at the same time, there are experiences that I've had that have very vividly shaped what I don't want. And my visibility is definitely, you know, one of those areas of my life. Um, I remember years ago, I was in a relationship that was very detrimental to my connection to my intuition. It was detrimental to my sense of self. And it was detrimental to clarity of of just how I was processing myself in the world around me. And I remembered having this point where it kind of hit me that I felt invisible. And as a black woman in America, you know, cis heteronormative black woman in America, I noticed how acknowledging vocally to someone that I did feel invisible immediately got tied to the male gaze. And that was very challenging for me because that really wasn't the thing that I felt solely invisible from. I felt invisible from myself. I felt like you know, and I'm going to acknowledge as I say this, you know, this is ableist language, but nobody saw me. And I, you know, remember we've had this conversation as well, that there was a point a few years ago where Aisha Curry, a wife of Steph Curry, if you're, if you know sports, you definitely know who that is. If not, I'm going to ask y'all just Google it. Um, shared that she felt like, you know, her husband gets all this, all this attention and she wasn't getting any. And it wasn't that she was like, oh, you know, I want men looking at me. I want this. I want that. It was just that at some point, this person who was, you know, a human, a wife, a mother, a daughter, a partner, all these things just felt like, apparently, I don't matter here. I'm not showing up on the radar at all. And I hated how then and now they have just used that as like, oh, you pick me. You will pick me. You need me to see you or you're being thirsty. And I'm like, oh, pause, pause. Mm -hmm. I don't want some things to be lost in translation. Pick me and thirsty. And you also mentioned the male gaze. So I do want you to continue your train of thought, but can we pause for just a brief intermission Mm -hmm. to explain what is the male gaze from your point of view, from your perspective? From my perspective, the the male gaze is, um, and I don't think it's just about men. I think it is a male-focused gaze uh, energetically. So anyone that kind of identifies with that male-centric energy, um, or it could also be quantified as someone that is simply seeking the sexual or otherwise some type of attention from the people that they are sexually or intimately attracted by mm. or two. So basically like, Ooh, I like you and I want you to like me too. I want you to think I look good. Yeah. And if that is new terminology to you, I invite you to go down the Google rabbit hole because there's also a lot out there about how, like, even when we think about um, the way that video is created in movies or music videos are social media content, clothes, um, even clothes, that a lot of it is structured around and created in a sense to give the illusion that it is 100% for the male gaze. Mm-hmm. 
And then you also mentioned pick me. And I know um, <laughs> I know I'm asking these questions on the spot. You didn't expect them coming. No, it's but okay. let's let's break it down with some pick me. <laughs> Woo! So pick me is somebody that wants to be prioritized because of some value that they have that puts them above other people in the same category. So as an example, if you are a woman or in your feminine energy and you want to be ranked above others in their feminine energy, oh, I want to look like the best. Oh, I want you to love me more than everybody else. Think the stereotypical love song. She can't love you like I can love you. I'm going to do all these things for you. You going to want me. Pick me, pick me, 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 me. I don't want to be by myself. Don't pick her, pick me. I'm better. I'm better. Let me prove how. The standard love song. Or the, so, or the, or the standard shake your butt in the club song. Let's, let me go there too. Yeah, I can be that too. Mating. Okay. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Urban Dictionary. I'm about to quote that. Brace yourself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Defines pick me. And this definition has so much gender binary stuff in it. Anyway, as a girl who goes out of their way to impress boys and make them seem like they're not like the other girls. I'm not a basic bitch. Ah! Pick me. I love you. Yes, it is. It is. It is doing. And it it is the one that I don't, for anybody that is kind of in my age range, I'm 43, y'all have no problem claiming my age. Back in the day, I used to love the show A Different World. And Dwayne and Whitley, Dwayne, okay, Whitley would get up before Dwayne got up to put on a full face of makeup to lay back down. So he never woke up to a basic bitch. So I'm a little bit, we have a bit of an age difference there. So I did not grow up watching that. However, I know people that that is their real life and I will protect people's identities. So I will not include any details here, but I literally know someone who was married for over a year to someone who had never seen them without makeup on because they literally would do exactly that in the morning and would leave it on at night when they laid down until the other person went to sleep. You know what it feels like? As we're saying this, it, it feels like a gender version of American exceptionalism. You know, I never thought about it in that way, um, but I can see that. One of the things that comes up for me as well, and I'm going to also, you know, acknowledge that there's a an article by um, the Berkeley Beacon, I believe, um, that we can link to in the in the episode show notes article um, that links pick me and the fact that so many people are like leaving that comment or labeling people as that on social media videos and things like that, calling them pick me, like using it as like a, like a negative, um, I don't know, a negative observation of someone else they didn't ask for mm-hmm. in their comment section. Right. Um, that the phrase itself has really kind of sparked an internalized misogyny. So, I want to reference a video that you had shared with me. I do not remember this YouTube creator's name. Oh, I would go find it. <laughs> okay. There we go. As I, I'm going to go through this. You go find it. And I 
remember that one of the big things that was addressed in this video, and this video was specifically calling out pick me song lyrics. Um, but one of the things that I really appreciated was the comment that was shared by this creator was like, I'm not saying that these qualities or these actions are bad, but I want you to go and do them in a place that they're appreciated. And so in context, from a pick me perspective, somebody that maybe puts XYZ amount of effort into uh, their physical appearance, the way that they maybe keep their home, if you're working out, uh, if you wear makeup, if you smell good, you wear certain types of clothes. And the reason I'm kind of phrasing it that way is because everybody's standards are different. Somebody's going to think you're doing the most, somebody's going to think you're doing the least. So there's no standard. But the reality is, is that there's not a problem with these actions on their own inherently. The problem is when they're done to put you on a pedestal so that other people are below you. That is where the pick me piece becomes a problem. When you are weaponizing what you do to minimize somebody else. And sometimes that's not what the person is doing. Other people are deciding that's what you're doing. But going back to song lyrics, song lyrics are absolutely positioned in a way that often talk about, you know, I'm doing this better than so-and-so. <laughs> this is a singer from like the 90s, Joe. Again, if you're in my age range, you'll know who this is. And it was always... My name is Jojo? No, it was. it's a dude. His name was Joe. And it was always like... Yeah, my name... I think the album was My Name is Joe. All the things oh, a man yes, won't do. Yes, that Joe? Yes. I'm going to do everything that that... Yes, pick I ain't gonna do me. So come over here and leave him. Everything he ain't enough, girl. You just don't know. Come on over, and I'm like, wait, (laughs) hold on. So you know, and yes, like some of it, you take it in fun, but this is something that often is gender, and it's attached to female or femme focus, um, gender identifying and um, facing people, and it's used to create separation. And it's, it's something that is, is basically creating and maintaining the competition. And that's not helpful. That's not, that's not helpful. Sorry, I, I went off on a whole tangent. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's all good. So giving credit where it's due, Erica, you are referring to a YouTube account that goes by Fab Socialism. Um, and the creator or at this account's name is Tiana. Um, It's a person of color. And the video specifically, which we can link to in the show notes as well, um, is called The Ultimate Pick Me Beyonce. And they're literally breaking down so many of the songs from Beyonce and how it really is coming from this like pick me kind of energy and like you are the world and I breathe you. Uh, I'd rather die than live my life without you. There's so many things in there that can, for some people, uh, trigger this idea that like the attraction and like not even just the attraction, but attracting someone, um, getting them to be interested in you 
and keeping them interested in you through the things that you do, like keeping up your appearance or cooking and cleaning or all of these other things is like your entire life's purpose and worth. You, Your life isn't even worth living if this person was to go away or if you didn't have this from someone. It doesn't even necessarily have to be attached to that one person. Right. Um, and so this person's breaking it down. Such a great video and just how they break down so many of the pieces that when you really like the beat of a song and a singer's voice, you might not be paying attention to Subliminal what's the message here. Yeah. Yes. But bringing it back to, you know, the invisibility piece, um, I was also witnessing a little bit of the content that happened around Steph Curry's um, wife, Aisha. And I, I think some of that came to me because you had originally shared it. I don't watch the news. I probably should, um, but I do not. And so I feel like she was also getting the other side of the pick me mm-hmm. of like, how do I explain it? I'm trying to find the right words for this, but Erica, I feel like you might be able to pull it out of me <laughs> or or see what I'm missing here. But the other side of the pick me is almost like, I'm not good enough, actually. Right. And so I need the gaze of other people to boost my confidence so that I can feel good enough. I feel like maybe that's a little bit of what may have been coming from the energy of that situation. Mm -hmm. And people then began to attach that to, as you said, thirsty, which if we want to break that down, (laughs) I can pull up the Urban Dictionary again. Why not? Because some people might not know it. And while you look up thirsty, I can kind of give you some of my thoughts on that because there was some other context with hers being that they'd been together, I think, since like high school. You know, yes. she's like now in, in you know, her 20s. And, you know, she was with him. Probably in her 30s now. Now, yeah. Oh, okay. But then it was Yeah. 20. And she was simply with someone that she loved. She didn't necessarily get with him because he was a, he was a baller. He was playing basketball. That wasn't it. She was with like her high school sweetheart. But the reality is, is that, you know, whoever she was when they met, she then had to go into her adulthood. Um, and if I, if I am correct, by all means, I'm happy to be corrected if I'm wrong, believe her pronouns as she, her. And so as she went into her womanhood, she's trying to navigate that in the midst of her husband being uber famous, uber successful. She's thrust into something that she didn't really ask for and then had to get everybody's judgments about her. Absolutely. That's anybody that didn't feel some discombobulation. I would be like, how did you do that? Can you please bottle it and tell me some? I'll take three vials. Thank you. Like, that's a lot. And so to have to have a moment of just being honest or transparent and then having it weaponized against you when you are simply trying to acknowledge where you are in a moment, because that didn't necessarily mean that that had to be her defining feelings about herself or her life or or, or as people wanted to kind of process it, her relationship. And it wasn't about like, oh, I want other men to look at me because I'm not happy with my husband. But if you've never had to truly understand that you don't understand how awful it is to feel like just simply walking down the street, getting out of your car and going into the building. I I remember getting out of my car and trying, you know, going to work and being like, nobody even sees me right now. Nobody even sees me going in this building. 
I felt utterly invisible. And it was so disheartening. And I felt, I felt detached. It was challenging to be able to process like, you know, where do I fit? Where do I belong? How do I interact with the things around me? How do I feel? It was not easy. And while again, it could be so easy to assume that it was about, you know, something intimate or or sexual or me needing to be validated by the group that I am attracted to. No, it wasn't about that. I didn't want to be invisible to anyone. I didn't want to be invisible to myself. But at a point in my life where I was in a damaging relationship and had experienced some things that then made me have to re- structure who I was. Um, and I, you know, motherhood is a great example of when you have to restructure your sense of self, when you're having to go through things like that, you have to give people the grace to understand that they are trying to figure out how to not be the balloon that floats away in this life. They are just trying to have, you know, be tethered in some way, not because they want to be rooted to that area, but when you are so untethered that you have no roots, no connection, nothing, that feels horrible. And so it was really challenging to then consider, you know, how is it, how is it that this is going to be the time that I market my business, market my business? I can't function in my life. How can I be visible there when I can't figure out visibility day-to-day, you know, life ways? It's hard. And there's a certain amount of trauma that kind of sticks with you. Yeah. um, There's a lot to what you said. And I'm going to say that for anyone who's had different lived experience, I want you to consider other times in your life, other examples phases that you have gone through, experiences that you've gone through where you felt invisible, Mm -hmm. you felt unwitnessed. Yes. Because I have a feeling that you're not alone with that, Erica, Um, and that that is not limited to entrepreneurs or parents or people in relationships or women. I have a feeling that there are many people of all different backgrounds have had at least one experience, no matter how long, how big, how small, or how short, where they felt invisible. And it's not a good feeling. No. And it's scary to acknowledge it, but it's also scary to internalize it and to hold it all alone because you feel like nobody understands. It's only me. You know, you wonder if you're making it up in your head so you may inadvertently be gaslighting yourself about what you're experiencing. And yet there are people around you completely normalizing, being visible, doing the thing, going on as if life is just existing and it's all fine. And you're just like, does anybody even get it that I'm here? It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, And so I do want to offer a moment of clarity of a discussion we were having, which is this baller's wife (laughs) 
But she's not just a baller's wife. She has built an incredible business of her own. Mm -hmm. She has. She has. She has her own public presence that she's developed of her own accord. Um, And a lot of respect from a lot of people in how she's gone about that and the way that she shows up. Um, And also being aware if this is somebody that you're unfamiliar with, she has had multiple children. It has changed her body. She has gone from high school to one person having a ton of fame and attention at an astronomical level. Mm -hmm. Right. And her living what some people may say is more of a regular life, but I completely disagree because she has an entire brand of her own Mm -hmm. that's in stores. So that's in like another discussion for another time. Right. And I think that many people, as you said, when they've gone through these life changes, these body transformations, these relationship changes, when they're in difficult situations, whether it's grief and loss or abusive relationships, whatever it is, these things can contribute to periods of feeling invisible. Mm -hmm. Periods of feeling like we're not even clear on our own identity for ourselves, let alone are able to have other people be clear on what that is. Well, okay. So I want to pause on what you said there, because I I do want to stress that there is the piece of how other people process you. And as much as it is important to have your sense of self as something that is a constant work in progress, um, we are not siloed off from others in a way that the way that others process you uh, just doesn't matter at all. Like that's not how that works. And so- I don't think that how other people process you necessarily needs to dictate how you process yourself, but we can't ignore that, you know, for the same reason that as being a black person in America, we can't ignore the way that we are um, viewed as a threat by a lot of people using some law, you know, people in law enforcement as an example. So we can't ignore how other people process us. But if you're in a position of trying to navigate how you are processing yourself, how other people are processing you and trying to wade through the noise. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. It's a whole lot. So I want to be mindful of not leaving people in that place of, whoa, this is a lot. (laughs) But bringing it back to something that I'm really curious to know um, because I think I've witnessed things as your friend, but there's also like, but I never really asked you this. So who knows what the reality is, right? There's my assumptions and then there's the reality Mm -hmm. of like how, like what played a role in you transitioning from this place of feeling invisible to acknowledging that you don't have to be that to yourself anymore, first and foremost, before you concerned yourself with what anyone else felt or thought. Um, I had to acknowledge that I was in a damaging situation that left a lot of scars. I had to figure out what it meant to remove myself from it and to begin to traverse the terrain to heal from it. And full transparency, sometimes the wounds that you can't see are the hardest to heal 
So I still have healing that I'm doing. I mean, like most of us that are on a healing journey, like this is a, this is a life journey. This isn't a, oh, I, you know, check the block and six months out, I'm, 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 I'm good. So, you know, I've come a long way, but it's been a conscious effort to really be able to figure out how is it that I want to be for me and it not be focused on what anybody else wants or needs for me. And that has been a big part of it for me because I think I've been more visible to others, um, specifically in the relationship type of way, because I've done more of that. Because for me at this particular juncture, like I've been more honest about I am being me and me is what has allowed me to show up more not feeling like I need to do certain things or I need to be a certain way. I've really questioned when that comes up. I need to wear makeup. I need to wear these kinds of clothes or I need to have my hair be this length or this texture and continuing to really question when those shoulds like that want to show up and throwing them out when they don't apply to me or choosing to participate in them if and when I want to. And knowing that it's on my terms, that has made a big difference for me. That has made a huge difference for me. And that's where I think the levels came up of, of noticing like, oh, okay, so this is how the visibility began to kind of shift and evolve from a work perspective. This is how it changed in um, kind of my quote unquote regular everyday life. This is how it shifted when it comes to intimate relationships. I am constantly deciding that I want to be more and more of who and how I am right now. And I am not willing to quantify or minimize that for anyone else. If the way that I am does not work for you, that's great. You can go find it somewhere else. If the way that I am is too much for you, go find less. You're welcome. So powerful. Erica, thank you, number one, for your willingness to be transparent about stuff that's not easy here today. Let's just be real about that. Um, and I want to take a pause for a moment to call it what it is. You know, visibility must be a two-way street. It does not work to have individuals consistently witnessing others, supporting others around them, and they're never witnessed back. Everyone deserves to be visible. Everyone deserves to be witnessed. That is a part of honoring your humanity. And we can go into the Urban Dictionary definitions of pick me and how thirsty is not attached to, you know, uh, being horny or desperate for sex. Sometimes it is an Urban Dictionary's definition, and sometimes it's just attached to wanting to gain fame or admiration. But at the end of the day, let's call it what it is, that we all deserve to be witnessed. That is a part of a collective culture that is a part of mental health. That is a part of connection. 
And that has nothing to do with dating. It has nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with being thirsty or jealous. That is a basic human need, period. Pert. I feel like I need to drop the mic and be done with this episode. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. Bye, y'all. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for letting me be here. Bye. All right. It would not be a Flaunt Your Fire episode if we didn't give you one action to take or thing to consider because that's where change happens, not from just passively listening to us talk. And so your heavy lifting for today is to ask yourself, how can I further witness the other people around me? And if you're one of those people where if you ask yourself this, there was some kind of feeling in your gut of like, I'm doing too much of that already. I want you to ask yourself, where can I create some space to further witness myself and how awesome I am? That's your action. Go out in the world, do your thing, (laughs) and then come on over and let us know what came from that. What results did you have from that? You can always leave us a rating review on the podcast and tell us how this episode impacted you or what from this episode you want more of. If you're here, you know how important visibility is to me and to my guest. But you may not know that the Flaunt Your Fire podcast is brought to you by the wonderful brand that I co-founded with Erica Corday. Pause on the play. You can learn more about Pause in the Play's community, workshops, implicit, explicit masterclass, and so much more that we talk about consistently here in this podcast over at pauseintheplay.com. But I have a feeling that you may want to support other people who may live, love, or earn differently than you in being witnessed. And one way you can do that is to head on over to pauseintheplay.com slash show. There, there is so much you can find within the Pause in the Play podcast. There is over 200 episodes of amazingness there to be able to take in and to witness others. And the way that we keep that going, both over at Pause in the Play and at Flaunt Your Fire, is by having contributions from people listening to the podcast or reading the articles like you. So when you go over to pauseintheplay.com slash show, if you scroll down just a bit, you'll find a button that allows you to contribute to the podcast. And that's your way to get involved and to make sure that you are supporting change, creating amplified visibility for our guests, and breaking barriers by voting with your dollars for a financial contribution to the Pause in the Play podcast and the Flaunt Your Fire podcast. Because let me tell you, Let's just keep it real. This podcast is not free to produce. (laughs) And there's a lot that goes into making sure that these podcasts are equitable and accessible by making sure that they're in audio and written form. And so today, I want to say, number one, if you have ever made a contribution, thank you for keeping this free resource available to so many people and how they take action in their lives and in their work. And if you haven't yet, I want to say thank you for heading on over and checking it out and donating any dollar amount of your choice because every little bit helps. 
Thank you for taking in this episode, and I can't wait to chat with you on the next one. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?